HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Root 11 Potato Chips. Made with a secret recipe and superior ingredients, their mission is to make an outstanding product in a safe and clean environment. To learn more, visit rt11.com. Hey there, welcome to The Feed Feed, where we sit down with leaders and upstarts of the food media realm to discuss everything from navigating social media, building, engaging with, and growing a community, and producing content that resonates with young and old. I'm Jay Cohen, Editorial Director of The Feed Feed, the world's largest crowdsourced food publication and social media community, serving as your daily source of what to cook, bake, and drink. Today, I'm super excited to bring on my dear friend, Sarah Pasek, a literary agent at Park and Fine Literary and Media. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. So we had the just incredible privilege of becoming friends and traveling to Israel together through the connection of the wonderful um, Jessica Siskin, better known as Mr. Crisp, who is, who, and you are her agent. I am. So before we kind of talk into that and your history, um, with cookbooks, I want to start with how did you become a literary agent? How did I become a literary agent? Well, uh, so I grew up in, uh, Westchester and I always loved to read. Uh, but then I went to Tulane and I was an English major. Um, and like a lot of English majors, I didn't exactly know what I wanted to do. Um, but I had a really amazing professor, uh, who I, uh, took classes with literally sophomore, junior and senior year. And she became my advisor and she said, uh, you know, why don't you try this program, uh, that they do at NYU and it's, uh, you know, the publishing Institute. And so I said, okay, so I applied. So right after I graduated from Tulane, uh, I went directly to NYU and I took this six week course, uh, which they still have now, which I highly recommend, uh, in book publishing, uh, and magazine publishing, uh, and the book publishing aspect I really took to, uh, and I just thought it was so cool. Uh, I didn't even know what a literary agent was or a book agent. And I thought it was so cool that, uh, a, a person could represent, you know, the interests and the ideas of, of something they were passionate about, 
uh, and sell that and and see it come to fruition. And I have always loved to argue. Uh, you know, Jake knows <laughs> I'm, I'm very loud. I'm very opinionated. Um, but I hate tests, so I didn't want to be a lawyer. And I thought, oh, maybe this could be maybe this could be something. So I uh, got a job at a literary agency, um, and I just I really took to it. It was one of those things where. Uh, I just immediately fell in love and I, you know, I just didn't want to stop. And I, I, every time I, every time I got deeper into it and every time I started learning more and after, after being in there for a few years and really learning about the book industry, I just, I felt like I could really do something and I felt like I, I could bring something a little bit different. Uh, and so that's kind of how I became an agent, but how I got to, uh, where I am now, uh, I I was at an agency uh, for almost four years as an assistant, and then um, I I found out that this woman Celeste Fine was hiring for uh, an associate at an at another agency, Sterling Lord. So I it was a Friday afternoon I'll never forget, uh, and I called her and I said, "You don't know me, but I know you, and I'm going to be your next associate. Can I come in to interview today?" And she had already been looking for uh, about six weeks. And she said, if you can come in at three, uh, I'll interview you. So I remember I, I came in and I interviewed and she told me that she had never seen somebody with such a scary look in their eyes and that she thought <laughs> that I like might kill her if I didn't, uh, if she didn't hire me. So uh, on the next Tuesday, I started working for her. Um, and it's been almost seven years. Uh, last year, we, we broke off from that agency and started uh, Park and Fine Literary and Media and uh, it's kind of it's kind of crazy. So that's sort of a a very fast version. Um, but yeah, and here I am. That's perfect. Um, you touched upon this briefly, but for anyone who doesn't know, like, what is a literary agent? What oh, do they do? So a literary agent is basically uh, the middleman uh, between the talent, the client, uh, and the publisher. And so what I do is I work with clients uh, on their book proposals and their book ideas, and then I sell that idea to a publishing house. Uh, and it's sort of like, I, I really consider myself kind of like my client's bodyguard. Uh, I'm very intense, I'm very hands-on, um, and I really, in order for me to work with somebody, I, I, I feel like I have to really believe in it, and that's something I feel really strongly about. And so when I sign somebody, it's sort of, I like live, eat, breathe everything about them, and uh, and I really feel it's it's as agents, it's our job to protect our clients and to make sure that we are getting them, you know, the best service, the best opportunities, and we are just making sure, you know, people put years into their books, and it's important that you know on the industry side that that we're making that a good experience. I feel really strongly about it. I love that, and then for someone who. Is like, oh, this sounds great. I <laughs> would like, I would like myself a Sarah. At what point do you get a literary agent? So I think it's, you know, it's as most things are in books, and and Jake has an amazing book coming out soon, so he knows. But uh, it's, you know, there's no one size fits all. That the industry is is what I like about it is that there's sort of different routes, and you can kind of make it up as you go along sometimes. But I would say for me. I really like somebody to come to me um, with a very, and it doesn't have to be a clear idea, but with a reason. You know, I always say to people, why this book and why now? You know, everybody wants to write a book. Not everybody, but a lot of people, you know, I want to write a book. I want to do this. And, and it actually is really hard and it takes a lot of work. 
and so I always say, I want to work with somebody who wants it really bad and who's going to do anything it takes to make it successful. And so if that, you know, sometimes that means they've built, you know, a social media following and, and that they're talking to their community and their community is asking for a book. Um, sometimes it means that they've had something very successful, whether it be um, a television show or an article or something um, that's, you know, I, I, work with platform-driven nonfiction primarily. And so I really look for people who are doing something very cool in the world and where it makes sense for us to capture that on the bookshelf. And so that can take a lot of different forms, but I, you know, to me, it's kind of like a gut feeling. Um, And if somebody is really excited and passionate about what they're doing, then to me, you know, that that's what makes me excited to work with somebody. I love that. And they have this beautiful idea and you see it and your gut is telling you like, this is it. Um, What is typically that process like in terms of coaching someone? We we go through this kind of, there's been a good amount of discussion um, in terms of like the process of a book proposal and Mm -hmm. as someone who has done it, like it is a total beast. (laughs) Um, what proposals harder than the book sometimes. Yeah. What, so what does that look like? Do you ever, is there ever instances in which someone has a proposal and then gets the agent? Is it typically then you coaching, um, the author through the proposal? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that it goes both ways. I think sometimes, um, I can, I'll go to somebody or somebody will come to me and I'll say, have you ever thought about doing a book? I think X, Y, Z is a great idea. And they'll say, you know, I don't, I want to do this. Or sometimes they'll come with a proposal uh, and we'll, we'll workshop it. I think that the first step when you, when I meet somebody is what is the book idea? Why this book? Why now? And let's put something together. So a typical sort of package of a proposal is an overview, which is, you know, what the book is about, publicity and marketing, you know, where have you been? What have you done? Who's going to buy this book? Um, You know, then we really focus on the table of contents and the extended table of contents, because I always say that it's really important for the author and I to be on the same page about, you know, the arc of the book, where we're going. Um, Because when you get with an editor, you know, they're a really important part of the process. And in order to be collaborative, it's really important for us to have thought through what the author wants to do. And so, you know, sometimes it's the author has thought about it for years and years. And sometimes I work with the author and we come up with the idea together. I think as long as somebody has something that they want to say, the process of making the proposal is definitely a bear. Um, But but it's important because publishing really is harder than ever. And as, as agents, as good agents, it's our job to put the material together uh, to send to the editor. So they have a very, very clear snapshot of what the book is, who it's going to sell to, and that they can then go to their marketing, their publicity, you know, their editorial staff and, and give a very clear pitch. So I always say that if I give a proposal, I want to make sure that the editor has a nugget of something to hang on. I always say to my clients, what's our silver bullet? You know, what's our, what's our little thing in there that they're going to go into that editorial meeting and say, oh my God, I need this book. And, and to me, I want to finish a proposal, whether it be a cookbook proposal or a narrative proposal or whatever it is. And I want to have an emotional reaction after. So I, and, and so that's what I'm always looking for. Um, But yeah, the proposal, that's kind of a roundabout answer, but the proposal is a beast. Uh, And again, it, it, 
it really, it's important that it doesn't get skipped on because I think a lot of people are like, ah, you know, we'll just put it together. But, you know, you've got to, you've got to convince the editors uh, that you can sell this book to people. And I think that's something, uh, you know, that I try to remember is, you know, who are we going to sell? You know, the book is great, but then it's going to come out and it's, and, and the whole process starts again. And then as you are going through this process, what is your role and what is the actual process look like in terms of wrangling Mm -hmm. um, potential deals, reaching out to editors? What is the behind the scenes in terms of once someone, once an author has spent all this time writing a proposal, what is the in between that and getting an actual book deal? So typically, uh, you know, the proposal sort of takes as long as it takes. It depends on the project. Um, And then once we have a proposal, um, my my company, Park and Fine, we're very, very hands-on. There is uh, 15 of us. And so uh, we have editorial meetings uh, similar to a publishing house where we sort of go over all of the proposals that we're going out with. Everybody gives comments. Um, our our agency is a bit different that it's very team-oriented. I, I work with my colleagues on projects. Sometimes there's two agents on it um, just to make sure that we are really covering all of our bases. Um, and so we make sure the proposal is sort of... Um, there's no questions because I might read it six times. And then, you know, my colleague, John might read it and he might say, well, I have a question about this. And it's something that I could have never thought of. So we make sure to get as much, you know, feedback as possible to make sure that we're covering all of our bases. And then I submit the proposal to about, you know, 25 to 30 editors. Um, And we give them about two to three weeks uh, to review. And then the editors that are interested, we set up calls or, you know, pre-COVID, I love, I love a good meeting. Uh, so we set up meetings in person where, and this is my favorite part, where we get to bring the, the author around and get to meet all of the, the editors. And I mean, there's nothing like seeing a, a client who's so passionate about what they're doing just in a room, you know, lit up, talking about it to all these editors. Um, and then we go to auction, hopefully, uh, which is where it really gets exciting and, and, you know, that's where I think the the real shark in me comes out. Uh, and, you know, we try to get the best financial deal possible for our clients because the more money that we can get them up front, uh, the more money they have to work with to create the best book possible. So the whole process is from the finish of the proposal, to, I mean, to the completion of the proposal uh, to securing the book deal is about a month, give or take on a, on a, on a good day. And then what happens if no one bites? We tr- keep like, trying. Yeah, we yeah. keep trying. I, uh, you know, I think it's, I think that's always sort of the dun, dun, dun question. Um, but I think that if, you know, part of why I love what I do and, and the company that I'm at is that it is so collaborative um, and it's so, people, you know, people are honest and, and useful and helpful. And I think that if the book doesn't sell, editors are very good about giving feedback and it's important to be nimble. It's important to be open. It's important to watch trends. It's important to, again, understand what the market wants. And so if I don't sell a book, which knock on wood, doesn't <laughs> happen, um, you know, we'll go back to the drawing board and we'll fix it. Uh, I never give up. Um, I, I rare, I think, I mean, I think maybe one or two times in, in almost 
eight years that's happened. So I think it's, you know, and, and clients, it, it's hard sometimes the proposal because they'll do it and they'll put all of their time and I'll say, nope, I, it, this is a hole, this is a hole. And so I think part of the book process is really being able to get that proposal done and being able to take feedback and being able to be nimble um, because the book is not going to be uh, easier. So yeah, but we hope that that doesn't happen. <laughs> yes, of, of course, naturally. Naturally. No, naturally. Just, I just kick and scream until somebody buys it. I love it. I love it. That's perfect. <laughs> so when, when we get this book deal, Yes. What th this is kind of when things get interesting. So this is obviously, when things get crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. What does that experience look like in terms of that middleman yeah. um, role between mm -hmm. the author and the editor? Good question. Um, and then I guess the other, even maybe it's even to, to backtrack. Yes. Yeah. But even to backtrack, like how much are you taking into account, like, the editors and how you know them and mm -hmm. like almost matchmaking them yeah. with your authors. It's funny. It's kind of like being, it's, I take my, my, my Jewish girl-ness and I, and I try to apply it uh, to it's like this. Fiddler. Exactly. Because, and you know, when I say this to my clients a lot, you know, when we get into an auction situation and, and, and almost to backtrack in the meetings and, you know, and the reason we have the meetings is not only, um, for the benefit of the editors, but it's really for the benefit of, of the, of my client also of the author, because writing a book and, and, you know, I've never written a book. I think people who write books are crazy. <laughs> so, you know, I think, you know, writing a book is, you know, it's kind of like a, a doula, you know, I've, I've shepherded a lot of books. It's very emotional. It can be very challenging. And it really, really is important that your editor understands the client, the book, the market, because they are your voice inside the publishing house. You know, I can be, I can be as successful and I can sell the shit out of the book. Oh, am I allowed to curse? Sorry. I can, I, I can <laughs> sell the hell out of this book, but if I sell it to somebody who does not understand it in-house or is the wrong fit or the chemistry wasn't there in the meeting, it's not going to work out. So I think that we really, I really, I mean, I, I have lunch with these editors all the time. We're always talking on the phone. I'm always asking, what are you looking for? What do you want? Because it's also good where if I meet somebody and somebody says, you know what, I'm writing a book about, you know, chocolate labs. And I just love chocolate labs so much. And I had lunch with an editor who has like a farm of chocolate labs or she loved, you know, and then you can put those people together. And sometimes that's a great matchmake skill. Or sometimes you're in a meeting or a phone call and you just see an author and an editor just like click, like they just get it. And so that is a really, really important part. Um, and as, as the edit, I mean, as the agent, my job is to, you know, I'm very, a lot of my clients are I have a direct line to them. We're texting, they're calling me, you know, we're very, very close. And I really try to, and I always say this, I want to understand who you are as a person. I want to understand what do you like to do? What do you not like to do? Like, what's your superpower? Like if I see, you know, what is going to make you happy? And then I try to build a process around what the, what the author wants. And, and for some of my clients, you know, they might need help writing their book. They might not be writers. You know, they might be business people or entrepreneurs or musicians or comedians, and they might be on a, a, a tour or, uh, you know, on a Broadway show or, or on a television show or doing something. And so 
a lot of times it's also, I have to find the right partner, the right writer for this author to work with. So then it's me, it's the, it's the writer, it's the author, it's the editor. So it really, I see myself as, as sort of a quarterback and I try to build a team where everybody has the same, the same goals, um, and that the author feels comfortable getting there. Uh, and so again, it's, it's really, I, I think it really comes back to communication with your client and your author and really understanding who they are because every single client is different. And some clients, they, I, you know, they'll send me a chapter to my cell phone. I had a client uh, who wrote a poetry book and sent me every poem ever as, as they wrote them to my cell phone. Um, and some clients, they'll go away for six months and come back. And they'll say, I, I'm going to rent a house and, you know, God knows where, and I'm going to write the book and I don't want to talk to you. And, and so part of my job is to know that person and to build a process and a team around them that's going to make them the most successful and ultimately sell the most books. Yeah. I mean, that's, the, that's obviously the goal. Yes. The goal is to sell books. And, and listen, we don't always get it right. Um, this is not a perfect business, but I think really taking the time and, and to, to people who are thinking about becoming authors or want to become authors, I think really getting, getting clear on what you want to do, what you don't want to do, what you want to spend two years of your life doing with things that you don't want to do. Because at the end of the day, you hand the book in, you know, the, the publisher is going to do what they do, which is, you know, edit the book. They're going to, you know, make it beautiful. They're going to be able to distribute it. But then the day that Tuesday comes and your book publishes, it all starts again. Nobody knows all the work you were doing. Nobody knows the hours that I know, you know, Jake of recipe testing and not being able to go out because he was recipe testing and, and you know, all of these different things that authors go through, that's, that stuff is sort of behind the scenes. And so I always say to my clients, you know, let's make sure you're having fun as, as fun as it possibly can be, because when that book publishes, it, we start again, then the world learns about the book and you've got to have enough, you know, gas in the tank, if you will, uh, because that's really when the when the hard work starts. It's all hard, but that's when it you know that's when it's time to sell. Yeah, what happens when things go awry, and what are some of like the when I say things go awry, I mean what are some of the most common instances of clashing between editors and authors, and uh -huh. how do you remedy those situations? So I think authors, it, a lot of it is the cover. I will say, I think it is, as the book writing process starts, you know, a lot of people who write books, they're creative, they, they, they have their own businesses, they, they've been running a blog, or they've run, been started a business from nothing, or they're a celebrity. And so not only are they used to sort of being in control, um, but they're also used to it being their business, and so they get their way. And a lot of what I try to do in the, in the moments when one person says up and the other person says down is what are we actually talking about? You know, so if it's a cover and the author says it needs to be blue and the, and the, and the publisher says it needs to be yellow. Well, let's find out why the publisher says yellow. It could be that, you know, uh, a, a retailer said we're only buying yellow books this year. And so if the book's not yellow, we're not buying it. And so that's really in, like, that's information that the client or the author might need. They might not know 
um, that that's why the, the the publisher is saying this. And the and the author might say, but my community really told me that the, it needs to be blue. And they told me that, you know, they really see this book being blue. And then I have to tell the publisher, you know, this person really understands their community. So can, the, you know, where's the middle ground? Can it be green? And I think a lot of times in the book publishing industry, when things go awry, it's because we are often speaking different languages. And sometimes internally in the publishing house, we're speaking one way and there are reasons and, 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 you know, suggestions that come from a really smart place. But then on the author side, they're like, hello, I've been doing this my whole life. That's why you paid me all this money, you know, to write this book. So I actually know what I'm doing. And so once you can get to a place where the author can be very clear on why they want this, the publisher can be, can be clear on why they want that. There always has to be a middle ground. I always say we're not doing brain surgery. You know, we, we can find a middle ground. And my job is to hear both sides and figure out how we can compromise. And I think that is, that's the biggest thing is that we need to go into it knowing it's a collaboration, which means that we're trusting each other, that they are expertise in what they know and the other person's, ex, you know, an expert in, in what they're doing. And and we have to be able to trust each other. And so I think my job is to facilitate that relationship so we don't get into huge, you know, screaming arguments about, you know, God knows what. And I can speak from experience given how <laughs> incredible you were in helping me when I was uh, figuring out the cover for my book. Yeah. And, you know, I think the thing is, is that the publisher paid you this money. They're a fan of you. They want to make you happy. And so I think going into it, assuming that everybody wants what's best for the book, I always find is helpful. But does it get frustrating? Absolutely. It is, uh, you know, publishing, publishing is, as I love it, I love it, I love it. But, you know, we're not the, uh, we're not the uh, most fast moving industry. So I think, you know, it's also the agent's job uh, to be able to bridge bridge the gap sometimes that naturally occurs, you know, when people are coming from different industries. For sure. And with that, we're going to take a quick break. This episode is brought to you by Route 11 Potato Chips. From the moment Route 11 dropped their first batch of chips back in the early days of 1992, they understood their destiny as a high-quality producer. Instead of succumbing to the frenzy of mass production, they took advantage of their small size and made chipping a personal art form. The payoff was immediate, an incredible potato chip. With a secret recipe and superior ingredients, their mission is to make an outstanding product in a safe and clean environment. In this world of uncertainty that we live in, Route 11 potato chips believe comfort food can be just that. Know where your food comes from. To learn more, visit rt11.com. Now that we've talked all about the process in terms of working up to creating the book, once we get to that moment, um, I'd love to talk about like, what are the things that potential authors, people who want to write a book, people who are in the process of writing a book, need to keep in mind in the realm of like marketing, promotion, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of aspect that's so important to the success of the book and the potential for 
another book. Totally. Um, what are kind of the, the key things to keep in mind along the process? So I think the, the one thing I always am, am trying to be aware of is who is this book for? Who are we selling this book to? Why did we write this book and, and, and where is it going? And I think when you're thinking about publicity and marketing, you know, the, I think sometimes a natural, you know, the knee jerk reaction is, well, this book is for everybody. If the book is for everybody, it's for nobody. So we need to figure out who is the book to and really getting clear. And this goes back to your earlier question, what do I look for? I really look for people who have a very clear sense of their audience. They have a very clear sense of who they're talking to, and they have a very clear sense of what that person wants. And when you start from that place of understanding what the book is, what it says, and why it's important and who it's going to, that's when you can really start to build a publicity and marketing plan that addresses those topics. Because it's very, you know, book publishing, you know, it used to be if you could get on a morning show, you know, you, the book was going to sell a million copies and you were going to be a bestseller. That's no longer the case. You know, it, it's, it's much more nuanced. It's much more challenging to get national publicity given what's going on in the world. And so people, I think, much more need to rely on their own communities, listen to those communities and, and, and provide value. Because that's really what the book is. When you ask somebody to spend $25 on something that you've written, you need to provide value. And in the world of the internet and all these different social media tools that are, are occupying people's mind, the book needs to really deliver something. And so when you're thinking about publicity and marketing, I always like to build ideas or pitches around, like, what would I like? What would make me, you know, press, you know, buy now? What is, what is, what is going to be that thing that changes the way my brain thought about something before? And I think if you look at it from a place of, you know, why is anybody going to care and how do I, and, and where are my people and how do I find them? I think it becomes a, a much less daunting task than trying to sell the book to every single person. Because if the book is successful, then you're going to see that, that halo effect. You're going to see that snowball of, you know, then the one person buys it and then they buy it for their five friends. And then, you know, they buy it for their book club or, or you know, then you give it to your mother-in-law who, who gives it to all of her book club. So you start to sort of bit that slow build. And I know it's so, so, so cliche, but it is truly a freaking marathon. Like it is a marathon. It is like, what are you doing every single day? What are you doing, you know, three times a week to post about your book and to get people to buy it? And you can't, I can't want people to buy it more than, than the client. And I, and I, and I think that the, the author, that's, that's the biggest question to ask, if that makes sense. It was a little random. Yeah. No, no, no. I completely got that. I'd love to know, you go through this process, you're running this marathon, you put your all into Mm -hmm. the book. In the discussion on the concept of an advance, and obviously Mm -hmm. an advance is going to so vary depending on the author, their platforms, their background, all of these things. What are the things to keep in mind in terms of if you have a successful first book, how does that affect your next book deal? So basically, when you get a book advance, it's a, you know, the publisher is basically saying, we, you know, based on this amount of money, we think you're going to sell X amount of books. And so the way it works is, and in the, in the kind of rough math I do in my mind is 
for every 30,000 copies I can convince a publisher my client can sell, they will advance you $100,000. And I get that breakdown because for royalties, you know, if you're making three to four bucks a book, that's great. And so that's sort of how I get that number breakdown. And so, you know, there are two schools of thought. You know, one is you get the biggest, biggest, biggest advance possible because it gives you the most freedom to get that money up front, but it's going to be much more challenging to earn out on a million dollar advance when you're only making three bucks a book. And in publishing, you don't make another dollar until the publisher earns back their money. So you never have to pay your money back, but you might not see any more money, you know, and, and the other avenue sometimes is that you get a lesser advance. So you, in order to earn out, you have to sell less copies. So, you know, I, I, I do it both ways. I think the important part that at least I've seen, which is, is the, the most important part of being able to secure your next book is to really give it your all in your first book and to really demonstrate, I mean, publishing is a human business and people who care and people who try and people who are out there really passionate about what they're doing, it shows. Um, and I know that it, you know, it's a little kind of wishy-washy, but selling books is really, really important and proving that people want to buy what you're selling is the best way to ensure another book deal. Um, and so again, the advance, you know, you, whichever way you go, it's not to say that if you don't earn out, you're never going to get another book deal, but it's certainly going to affect how much money you get. Yeah. And so and that's why, is- you know, selling the book is it's, it, and that's sort of, that's why I say it's a marathon because you've done all this work. You worked on, you know, you got any, you know, first of all, you built a business, which is unbelievable and amazing. You know, you built a business and then you get the book agent and then you write the proposal and then you have to sell the proposal and then you have to write the book, you know, and then, you, so it, by the end, it's like, oh my God, I've been working on this for like two years. Like I'm done. And so that's where, it, and that's why I say, uh-uh, you know, get that power bar and let's, you know, let's keep going because we're not done. Um, and you know, that's why it's also, I, I really feel it's also my job to bring the enthusiasm, to bring another level of passion, to bring the excitement because it's a team. And, you know, if one person is feeling tired or slow, it's the other person's job to, to, you know, pep them up. And so I, I, I always am very strategic with my clients. Um, after we've done a deal, you know, we're checking in constantly, but I think good benchmarks, you know, you check in after six months and see what's going on. You check in after a year and also ask your community, you know, what do they want? What are they looking for? I think having open dialogue with people, the people that you're selling to is the most important feedback that, that an author can get. Exactly. 100%. What is the current market like now, given everything with COVID? How has that affected people getting book deals and or, I guess, publishing in general? You know, I think books are doing really well. Um, I think the business is is good because people are reading. Um, you know, there was definitely an adjustment of working at home. Uh, a lot of my business is is lunches and talking and meeting people. And it's a very collaborative, hands-on uh, business. So, you know, I think... Zoom has been interesting to navigate and, and, you know, editors and, and people with kids. And I think it's changed in that people are a little more, 
I think understanding of, of the, of life, but I, I am very energized by books and the publishing industry right now. I think, uh, there's a real wake up call on how we can all be better, uh, and how the industry can be better. And I, I feel really excited, um, to actually do that work and to actually, uh, play whatever small part I can, uh, in, in bringing really important voices to the forefront. And I think at the end of the day, we're, people are going to read books and it, I don't, you know, whatever format they read them in, whether it's eBooks or audio or whatever, you know, I think it's my, it's my job to continue to, to bring that talent um, and to elevate it in the best way that I possibly can. Beautifully, beautifully said. Um, to finish off, I guess, this portion of the podcast, um, are there any like absolutely either wonderful, incredible stories from your experience with cookbooks or complete and utter train wrecks that you'd like to? to... <laughs> well, well, so I'll start with, I mean, I love my, I love my chef authors. I love cookbooks. I think there is really, I think in particular, when you put a cookbook together, um, it's kind of like a real symphony uh, when it just to have, you know, the right recipes and the right head notes and beautiful photos. And just to see it's a, it's just, it, they're always, the good ones are always so beautiful. And, and they really, I see a cookbook as it's like, it's, it's a gift. You know, it's, even though it's, you know, it's not always, uh, you know, obviously they're useful. I don't cook that much, but I still like, (laughs) Um, which I know I shouldn't say on this, um, but I know a good cookbook. Um, I think that's just, it's really one of those things that's so beautiful, uh, when it comes together in the right way. Uh, I have, uh, a client, uh, so my, my sister, had just graduated from college, uh, and we were in, we were on vacation and she was on Instagram and she said, uh, I am obsessed with this guy, Dennis Prescott. Uh, and it was, this was years ago. He had, maybe he had like 25,000 followers. Uh, and I started following him and following him. And then one day I reached out randomly. Uh, and I said, I love your food photography. Um, and he wrote back, he said, you know, a lot of agents have, I'm not really interested, blah, blah, blah. So I, you know, I wrote back and I was like, no, I, I don't know. I have a, I, I really feel it. And we got on the phone and he's Canadian and we just, fell in love. He was my first uh, cookbook author. I kind of had no idea what I was doing, but it was one of those kind of fake it till you make it. Um, and uh, I remember uh, meeting him in person uh, for the first time and going to like this ramen shop and he had his camera. And I remember like seeing for the first time the way he looked at the food and he photographed it. And I remember thinking like, oh my God, like he can really do this. Like he can really do this. And I think I can do this. Uh, and you know, Dennis has gone on to be on a Netflix show and be a very close friend of mine. And so that he always holds a special place just because he kind of took a chance on me too. I didn't really have another, uh, I didn't have another cookbook person at that point. Um, and so that one always, I just remember seeing the raw talent and being like, oh, wow, this is, this is what it looks like in real life. Um, any disasters, which is probably more interesting to talk about. I mean, yeah, I've had disasters before. I've had, uh, you know, I've had photos be delivered for a cookbook that the publisher rejected. Uh, and then you have to call the client and say, oh, remember all that money you spent on the photo shoot? Well, the publisher doesn't like those photos. 
Um, you know, that was unique. Uh, and you figure out a way to fix it. Um, what else? I've had disastrous covers before. I, I mean, you know, it's all, it's, it's, uh, you know, cookbook people, chefs, they're so creative, you know? And I think that with that comes, uh, really amazing books and really beautiful books, but also really eccentric personalities. Um, and I think it makes it fun. Uh, one of my favorite, I once was, uh, if you look in, uh, work with Rocco Despirito and I am in two of his cookbooks, I was, I was at the photo shoots. And so if you can find me in some of the, uh, in the chapter openers, like my hand is in one of them and my side profile. So sometimes I like to appear in the books too. I'm in Jessica Siskin's book also. I'm, uh, I, I got into the ice cream truck and I was, I pretended to be serving her ice cream in the books. So. Amazing. Nothing, <laughs> nothing better than a I literary agent slash that ice I cream. Yes. I can't promise that I won't like try to be an extra and like make an appearance. <laughs> in the I book. love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> So this brings us to my favorite part of the podcast. This is the lightning round where I'm just going to okay. throw a few questions your way. Um, the first being, who do you love to follow on social right now? Can be a, could be chef, could be non-chef, just anyone that you really love their content right in this moment. Right in this moment, I am loving... That's hard. I feel like I spend so much time just like stalking all of my clients. Um, right now, so I work with Layla Ali and I am mm -hmm. loving Layla on Instagram right now. Uh, she is such an amazing cook. She's an amazing spice blend. Um, she's supporting so many black owned small businesses. Uh, and I've watched her Instagram really, really grow. Uh, and so she just cracks me up. So I love following Layla. Love it. Um, when was the last time you cried from a book? Uh, last week. What was the book? I work with uh, Logic and I got the first draft of the beginning of uh, his memoir. And it is, it's, I can't, it was, it's beyond. It's really beyond. That's so exciting. Yeah, it's really exciting. What um, has been some of your favorite experiences if you've ever cooked dishes from cookbooks you've worked on? Yes. My favorite, favorite experience is I made a banana bread. Uh, so basic. I made a banana bread for the one of the first times, like totally by myself, like no help from anybody uh, from uh, our client, Rachel Mansfield's book. Uh, and I felt really proud of myself because I'd been promising her. Uh, and then I did it. So I was, I sent her like a million photos. She probably thought I was so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> what is exciting you in the food space right now? In the food space right now, I am excited because I think people are opening their eyes. Uh, and I think people are really looking um, and, and realize that there's so much different talent out there. Uh, and I am also excited because people are cooking at home. And to me, that's why we make these cookbooks is so people can bring that joy and community of cooking and food and family into their homes. And I think to be able to provide books and resources for people to be able to feel confident doing that, like, I think the food space is just, it's so exciting right now. 
I love that. Love that, love that. And then finally, we have our every episode game of Fuck, Mary Kill. Um, Uh-oh. And, you know, I, you yep. know, I can't lie. You know, I can't lie. So this is going to be tough. <laughs> there you go. So, so I chose categories in terms okay. of, of cookbooks. So you have fad diet cookbooks. You have single ingredient cookbooks. And then you have appliance-based cookbooks, so like Instant Pot yeah. or Slow Cooker. Okay, hold on. Fuck, Mary kill. Honestly, I, I fuck with a single ingredient cookbook. Love it. I fuck with this. Uh, kill an appliance because that's just, it's too much for me. Uh, and who, the, and Mary, who's the last one? I, the I, diet cookbook. Oh, yeah, I'll marry a diet cookbook because then I'll be hot. So that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, that's true. They also, they, they just, they sell so they well. Sell oh my. And you know what? And you know, you really, it, and it's, it, it keep going back to it. You know, you fall off. It's, it's there for you forever. So yeah, I feel actually really good about those answers. I feel, yeah, that's good. That was I did, absolutely I a, perfect. I did a sweet, I did a sweet potato cookbook years ago. And so it, I still have a copy of it. it it's really, I mean, I really fuck with it. Yeah, it's good. That's something that people would definitely lose their shit over. Sweet that, potatoes. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. And yeah, also, yeah. how I mean, the fact that these people can think of all these different ways, I just uh, unbelievable. <laughs> it's really something, yeah. let me tell you. You, you got to keep the marriage alive. <laughs> yes, we know. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. This was so incredible. I mean, even as someone who's gone through the process, to even hear the perspective coming from you was just Well, I just wonderful. have to say, I just have to say that we met in almost a year ago and that you were working on your book and I am so excited for it to come out. It is absolutely gorgeous. And as I was talking about all the good things that make, you know, cookbooks and books successful, I just couldn't help but think that your book really checks all the boxes as, you know, knowing who you are, knowing who you're selling to, being so passionate and confident about the recipes and and, and why they're important and why they matter. And I'm just so excited for your book. And I think it is just you, to me, that is, that's what it looks like. You know, a successful author, a successful book, to me, you have all the ingredients. And I just could not be more excited to just to see, watch you shine and to watch it fly because uh, I think it's going to be really amazing. So I am so excited and thank you so much for having me. Truly, truly my pleasure. Uh, Thanks everyone for listening. To learn more about the food and drink discovery platform that is The Feed Feed, head to thefeedfeed.com. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at The Feed Feed and myself at Jake Cohen. If you have a tip on who who the next social media culinary star will be, send us a DM. We will see you next time. The Feed Feed is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member.
just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.